Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Queer Quadrant, a podcast where we, two bisexual filmmakers, examine cinema in all its cultural contexts and explore why your favorite four-quadrant blockbuster is maybe not as straight as you think it is. Brooke, you know, I always have these issues when I just accidentally end up dating a serial killer. It's really a bummer. Well, like, shit oops, happens. I'm marrying a psychopath. <laughs> what a bummer. Oh, no. I feel so bad for poor Philip in this movie. My guy. He really gets the short end of the stick. I mean, also though, everyone at the party is acting like Philip's kind of okay. They're like a little bit like Philip, you seem a little on edge, but Philip is like drenched in sweat. (laughs) He's staring at just the body, and everyone's just like, no, 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 Philip's fine. Don't worry about Philip. It's like, no, Philip's not okay. If someone came to a party and was acting like that, I would be escorting them out. I know. I think this is a great movie about learning that your friends don't actually care about you as mm. much as they claim because <laughs> <laughs> there would definitely be some red flags Says raised. the body in the case. Yes. Yeah, literally. Your friends don't care about you. Oh, God. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Hello. Hello. I'm Brooke Solomon. Jordan Gustafson. And this is a podcast this where is. we talk wow. about movies, where we talk about queer stuff. Where we talk about <laughs> queer movies. Yes, wow, Here we clean. are talking about it on mic. And joining us today is the wonderful Kyle Stevens, a film and TV professor with books on screen performance, books on Mike Nichols, psychological realism, as well as a variety of different essays and a renaissance man, a multi-talented <laughs> hyphenate. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, I cook too. Oh, <laughs> you cook. So there we go. Jordan bakes. I make a mean cocktail. We I think together we, we could throw a pretty good dinner. Oh my God. What a concept. <laughs> um, and today we are talking about Rope, the 1948 Hitchcock thriller. Classic. Good movie. Love it. Good movie. Very glad you picked this one. Uh, yes. This has been on our minds for a while. A long time. We always make a little bit more of a concentrated effort to sprinkle in classic films whenever we can, just because I think there is a clearly incorrect stereotype that queer subtext and text wasn't really on screen <laughs> yeah. too much <laughs> yes. in the classic cinema age. Uh all this people need to do is watch all. this movie. It really does. It's funny reading the Letterboxd reviews because people were like, oh my God, do you guys realize that this movie's gay? And it's like, this movie's <laughs> just not like textually and like subtextually gay, but you have gay like behind the scenes. You have gay like before the movie's made. It's just all gay. Yep. That's all yeah. the movie is. All you got to do is just a little bit of reading and you're there. Not a single straight person involved in the making of this film, except for Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, of course. <laughs> Yeah, Hitchcock did love to cast the gays. He really did. He did. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a lot of Hitchcock movies on our list of like ones that we'd like to cover down the line. Even like, yeah. you know, Farley and Strangers on a Train. You have him yep. there. So yep. Psycho, obviously. Of course. I'm actually teaching a class right now that's like pairing queer films with Hitchcock films that Ooh. sort of like go back and forth. Because I know it's that's amazing. First time I taught it, I and it's it. like because like he uh, he learned filmmaking in Weimar Germany. He was like fascinated by gays and lesbians throughout his 20s like he's he's all about it like his the, one of his um 
his 1930s films, like the villain is this like transvestite, like half white, half black. It's like this like super queer figure that like they lack the like vocabulary to even describe. But anyway, I'll, I'll stop it. Like I think all of his films have something gay in them. No, no that's super, amazing. Super we queer. love this. I don't know if you can share the syllabus on Mike, but I have to know, oh. is Rope part <laughs> yeah, what's... of the teaching? And if so, it is. It actually yeah. is the first movie I started with. Oh, um, yes. And then we watched Swoon, the Tom Tom Kalen nineteen ninety one like new queer cinema film about Leopold and Loeb. Because nice. Rope was like loosely inspired by Leopold and right. Loeb. And then like I mean I think most of like America became interested in homosexuality and like psychoanalysis and Freud and like all of that stuff because of the Leopold and Loeb like trial of the century thing. Um, so I think it's really cool what Tom Kalen's movie does with it too. Um, but you know Hitchcock was trying within the Hollywood system. Yeah. Story. Yeah. I mean, that's so obviously that's like a core pillar of the thesis of our podcast is like, how are you putting these themes forward within like a blockbuster context? And this is like, I mean, you look at everything that's marketed about this movie and it's like, this is a Jimmy Stewart thriller (laughs) directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Like that's basically all you're getting. And at like the time that it was coming out, that was obviously all you needed to sell the movie. Right. You had to have the big name to attach, but then you like, peel away Jimmy Stewart and like everything else is gay about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I think the Jimmy Stewart character, I mean, there's a lot yes. of implication that like he yes. like groomed these boys, right? Like, right. And like had a relationship with them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Taught them no, a absolutely. lot. Taught them what to think and believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's the thing is, I mean, this whole movie's like dealing with double entendres about like murder, but also about like sexuality. And I think that's the thing yeah. is like, I mean, it's not like, we're discovering this and like we're the first people to ever say this but like from the beginning you know it's basically putting murder and sexuality in a side by side and comparing and contrasting the two you know like with an orgasm by killing someone like hiding some body hiding your sexuality even though it's right in front of everybody it's Mm -hmm. just the parallels run what is morally right what is morally wrong yeah that's what i i mean i would add one more thing to that like from the the beginning you're like i completely think you're right like Mm. that like first like his face as he's being strangled it's like is it an orgasm is he you know what what kind of choking is this like what are you saying <laughs> how kinky <laughs> are we the only getting? thing they're doing with the rope let's be real <laughs> right. um and but then like the, the question is also like can murder be art yeah right right like it's and, and because like they put so much planning into it right and they're like are constantly arranging the room and stuff like they're like directing this night and that's like right so, and like if if you like think you're expressing yourself through this act and it's like really meticulously planned and carried out like is that art like can murder be art and then like if that's the question too then it's like is gay sex also art like is gay gay sex is murder and murder can be art i love those questions the trifecta yes right yeah Yeah. as probably anyone who has ever listened to me speak on this podcast can tell you thing it works of media that include murder and queer subtext Mm. and art in that trifecta (laughs) are literally like my absolute favorite genre see that's mana from heaven for you (laughs) yeah oh my god it's the best yeah do you like you know hannibal i don't know like a show like that that, nbc hannibal i don't know never (laughs) never came up like it's it's just it's my favorite thing ever it's like be gay do crime but in like an artistic 
sort of way. Wow. It just yeah, you really. I don't know if you've seen all of Hitchcock's work, but like he's always got that one character who's yes. like super into like yes. art, like murder stories. Yeah, and it's like he's always asking us like, what's the difference between like enjoying stories about murder and like actually, and actually doing it? wanting to murder <laughs> yeah. someone? Maybe a question yeah. I should be asking myself. Given uh... I just throwing it out there. <laughs> With this timing's kind of great because not to like plug the Criterion Channel because I'm sure they're thriving, but oh, that. During the holidays, they had like a whole Hitchcock, like during the holidays, sort of like subcategory. Mm-hmm. And I like grew up, like my parents were huge Hitchcock fans. So I grew up watching so many Hitchcock movies, but it was nice to like go back and like rewatch and or like discover some of the older ones. And so like I was going through and I'm like, wow, I really feel like I've seen like almost all the Hitchcocks. Like I'm like, I felt so yeah. confident about it because I burned through it. And then I realized I'm like, no, I'm probably only like halfway through because you have like the silent films. And then like, yeah, it's pretty it feels like an impossible burden to tackle but then it's also like you just look at it and so many of them like you have obviously like the hits like you know psycho rope this but then like topaz marnie like those movies are also great the trouble with harry is like my low-key one of my faves i love it so much i love it's like this movie it's like the the inverse of this where it's like you have everyone has the body and it's like what do we do with the body instead of hiding the body yeah it's so funny it's also such a good new england movie yeah New England fall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, I guess for, for us, since I guess that's my relationship with it, I hadn't seen this film in like a beat. Like I, cause I have like this Alfred Hitchcock DVD collection, but like DVD, not Blu-ray. My parents got it for me when I was probably like, 12 when they were like you have to sit down and watch these and i was like yes so that's a nice sturdy dvd it collection. was That'll no for sure well oh yeah those are dark movies for a 12 year old too i i was a psychosexual drama about murder i mean yes i had like my aunt introduced me to, i've told this before but like i had seen natural born killers when i was like 10 or 11 so like my brain oh. was like i my brain's messed up anyway, so we're fine. <laughs> um, but I hadn't seen this movie in so long. And when I had first watched it, I was young. So I hadn't like clocked the queer content on that mm. watch. And it was just more of like mm-hmm. a thriller. And so like I obviously then like you go through college and whatever and you know about it, but I hadn't rewatched it. So it was mm-hmm. nice to come back to it and be like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's just like everywhere. And, like getting to experience it. Uh, sort of a second time after coming out and after like all of these years of like hearing about it, reading about it and everything. Yeah. You know? yeah. You I mean, should we even just like, I feel like we're talking about how obviously gay it is, but maybe oh, we should yes. actually just like say the things that are gay. Like there's a scene right. like after the murder where like, it's basically like, how did you feel? And it's like, he needs mm-hmm. a cigarette, right? And he's yes. like, I think he actually does yes. like a cigarette. He likes he a does. cigarette. Yeah. yeah. He likes a cigarette. And he's like, you know, how did you feel during it? Like it, they're describing it. And he's like, like, stroking this champagne bottle yes um, and yes. like having like just an orgasm with the memory of it it's, it's hysterical also they only share one bedroom we can like pull yes out, i mean right? they're like, literally going to a weekend getaway in the country mm-hmm. like yes. after the murder they're yeah. going on their honeymoon basically yes. Yes. yeah yeah so should we say their names so we have like their names yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's it's philip and brandon are brandon. the two played by right. farley granger who is by and was out for his whole life, and then John Dahl playing Brandon, who was gay but died with it. So you have basically two queer men playing queer lovers. Yes. What a shock. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And one of the, the Philip is the taller one, right? Um, Philip's the one who's freaking. Philip's like the the, the, okay, the, 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 ner- the, the nervous Nelly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So Brandon. So Brandon was dating the the woman. 
uh, like the only sort of like the main female character's name I can't remember right now. Yes, um, Janet. But like <laughs> Janet, right? And it's like it doesn't matter that they once dated and broke up. No. Whereas like her other ex boyfriend, they're like, how can he even be in the same room, right? Like whatever relationship he had that was supposed to be heterosexual clearly did not register the way everyone yes. else does yes. in this yes. world and yeah. everyone just kind of like accepts the fact that brandon and philip are an item oh, like 100%. it's it's obviously never yeah. explicitly stated but the way that they interact with the other people the way that they are like so often like together there's really never the sort of like discussion of like well are you doing this for a woman are you doing this for something else or like there's yeah, just yeah. sort of like this implied acceptance of like, well, we all know that like right. you two are together. And also the um, the maid who used to be Jimmy Stewart's maid. And she was like, well, I know he was peculiar in that way. Yeah. But like now he's just like, she's just this, some sort of like weird, like New York City maid that only works for gays. It's hilarious. Right. For, <laughs> hey. for gay Harvard lads. <laughs> Good business right, if yeah. you can get it. <laughs> I have to just say, you bringing up Janet, a friend of the pod and past guest, Fran Hoffner, had a, her letterbox review of the maid. This. And it's <laughs> truly one of my favorite things where she goes, You really are one of uh, the one comedy girl at a function with a bunch of weird guys doing arch bits to impress a guy they knew nine years prior. Yeah. And that's like the entirety of Janet, where she's just like, what are these boys doing? Like, oh, that's they're perfect. 30 bits like operating at the same time. And you're just like, I'm, nope, not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I, that's so really great. I love how much she, she rolls with the punches. Like she could be mm-hmm. this sort of like fluffed and unimpressed girl who's yeah. like, why is everyone ruining this dinner party that I thought would be a nice time? But she's kind of just like over it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I appreciate that like it, I don't know. It's sort of, it adds a nice like comedy tilt, I think, oh, yeah. to the mid portion, which you need and crave because it yeah. is a ridiculous setup um, to hide a body in the middle of a dinner party and it's great. expect everyone to just deal with that. Yeah, I really appreciated that, especially because, yeah, she is the only woman who is around the same yeah. age as these guys. Right. I mean, I, I right. love the older, uh, Con- what's her last, Constance? Constance Collier? Oh, is it? Is it yeah. yeah. Her the voice. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like that. Like, it doesn't exist. Like, no one talks like this anymore. But when you hear it in old, like, classic cinema, you're like, that is just the, the stuff. It's yeah, hard it to really describe, is. but it's just it so it's, good. Yeah, it's, like, so affected. It's not a British accent, but it's not really an American one either. Like, no. It's kind of, like, weird, lofty, yeah. moneyed New England thing. Yeah. yeah she's hilarious. so good. Yeah. Oh, my God. So oh, and all the astrology amazing. stuff. Oh, incredible. She was yeah. a trendsetter. Oh, Little yeah. did we know. It was actually, was. <laughs> it was sort of jarring when she started talking about that. And I was like, oh, this feels extremely modern. You're like, the and astrology not, gals love this. In a way I was not prepared actually, for. Yeah, the CO for CoStar is actually yeah. Constance. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, my God. What was your relationship with this movie? How'd you come to it? Oh, keep this short and sweet. I watched this movie for the podcast as... Jordan and many listeners can attest I haven't seen a ton of movies but I'm trying I'm working my way through them um I would say that I have a layman's knowledge of Hitchcock and that it's like I know the classics but I can't really go deep in the way that both of you can um but I absolutely adored this movie it's definitely my favorite Hitchcock that I've seen I love sort of like a 
play as a movie type yeah. thing where they like are not trying to hide the fact that it's a play like I really yeah. don't mind that mm. I think it just has to be I mean this is like such a master class in like the form of like we're doing long takes and we're like using the blocking to like an incredible degree like yeah. I I loved that it felt like a stage play and so mm-hmm. much like a film like at exactly the same time and of course like I said how am I not gonna love this movie yeah like, yeah I want to jump in because like yeah. you yes. haven't actually said the most distinctive thing about it which is that you there are no visible cuts <laughs> yeah. in the movie, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so, that, like Hitchcock's always got some sort of like meta cinematic right. game going on. Um, yeah, so like the I have like an interview here. Like I was just like looking over it again, like I'm talking about how like there would be stage like hands and stuff like just off screen to just like take people's glasses and stuff because like the tables and walls had to move around so yeah. nothing could like stay where it was. Like the so elaborate, good. the elaborateness of this. Mm-hmm. Like Jimmy Stewart said it was the hardest movie he ever did because if you like messed up at minute 15 they had to like go all the way back to like start right. the reel again like i can't even imagine how complex this like filming was like it's it's crazy but yeah there's no yeah. visible cuts but to me it doesn't even feel like a play because the camera constantly moving yes yes and i think that's also a big part of it yeah i love it it's such a flex on him because he's so established at this point and it's it's you know you could see like I feel like now you could have like an indie director have this as a debut, like really small budget, really mm. trying to like make a visual name for himself. But like Hitchcock at this point had like made masterpieces and had like mm-hmm. won so many awards. So it's really like him just experimenting with like the form and yeah. like he's like, how can I now like work with this new material to make something like different? And I feel like that's, right? yeah. that's why it like it pops and it works so well because it just feels like a challenge by someone who can do it. Like, I feel like if it's not him or a phenomenal director, it wouldn't really work. Like you need the two to synthesize. Yeah, I like, this is what I I like about 40s Hitchcock a lot. Like 50s Hitchcock, like Rear Window and Vertigo get a lot of attention, right? And like, he's doing like a lot of cool stuff with like artificial versus realist kind of settings and stuff. But like in the 40s, it's like Lifeboat, um, which is like all in a boat, right? And like road, like he's giving himself these like these, these like, names. Really clear. <laughs> what? The names are great. Really simple yeah. to the point. Life- yeah. Rope, lifeboat. Rope. But it's like I'm one like one boat, like no cuts. Like I'm just gonna get like one sort of gimmick per movie. Like I'm gonna limit myself and I'm gonna like deal with it. But they work. Like Notorious, I think is great. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Oh, I also want to say he didn't actually win in that many awards. Like. His, like Snuck Rebecca won Best Picture, right, exactly. he, never, which, yeah. he never won a Best Director Oscar. Which is fucked. One but we did cover things. Rebecca, which is truly oh, good. so good. Yeah. Way back in the early days of the it. podcast. Yeah. That was one of the first Talk about shows. a moving camera. Yeah. yeah. So stunning. Oh, what about best. you, Kyle? What's your... Well, obviously, like, you have a clear relationship with Hitchcock, but, like, do you have favorites? What's sort of, like, what drew you to him and all that? Yeah, I mean, I... I think I first saw Rope when I was in grad school. It's actually, I'm not totally sure. I don't think I saw it growing up. Um, there was, Hitchcock wasn't like a big part of my world growing up. Like my parents liked some movies, but not, it was more like Smoking the Bandit and stuff. It wasn't like, it wasn't like good, it wasn't good movies. Um, hey, there's but, some nice, uh, there's some good stuff in Smoking the Bandit. That's true, I shouldn't, I, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I watched it in grad school and I was like, I mean, Hitchcock's really important for film theory. Like, you know, like, the French loved him, right? And so like, then we got to love him because the French loved him. Like they told us what's okay to like about him. <laughs> like, and naturally. so like a lot of, yeah, naturally, a lot of ideas about authorship and stuff just in the history of film criticism and theory is worked out through Hitchcock. So I think in grad school, I just wanted to like make sure that I saw a lot of them, but I was always interested in like queer and feminist representation. And and, and I, to, I mean, it's controversial to say, but I actually think Hitchcock is one of the more 
more feminist queer filmmakers like in terms of like what the, the product is that mm -hmm. like Hollywood had that classical Hollywood yeah. had and I know yeah. Grace Kelly like Ingrid Bergman like all the other actresses I feel like but it's like it's like a thing you have to talk about right like no, I think totally. Marnie is like super super feminist for its oh, time yeah. this whole like I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it um but you know, like she steals money from men, but then she's like raped. And it's like, okay, like the thing that men are supposed to bring to heterosexual relationships is money, right? And like you support the family, right? And women are supposed to be hot, but like, let's look at the, the disparity mm -hmm. when these things are taken without consent, right? And then she tries to kill herself. And it's like, it's such a dark movie, but I think it's really, really fascinating. Like, I just think he's always got this kind of, like his interest in like women's beauty as making them mm -hmm. vulnerable in the world mm -hmm. so often. Yes. And like, cause we're usually like with the woman's like character, like even in totally. Rear Window, which like Laura Mulvey's famous essay from 1974 about the male gaze, which she takes back. Like it was really hard to see movies again as a film critic back then <laughs> yeah. or a film scholar. Like you had to like write to the studio and get a like, hope that they would get send the you real. like a reel. And yeah, <laughs> and, like find a theater and stuff. So like, she was wrong. She was wrong about like a lot of the the ways that the gaze and the camera work in Hitchcock. It's an important and valuable argument, but like she knows, like it, it's just not actually how it works. And like Grace Kelly is the more active one. Like she goes across the, the studio right. and stuff. So I think there's just a lot of them, a lot of good stuff that sometimes gets overlooked because of the lore yes. about Hitchcock, right? And the assumptions that, that people make, which I think is sad because the movies are so fascinating. At the same time as you're saying, I think he has like a really interesting like take on masculinity, both like within the confines of this yeah. movie, but like all of his movies, like a lot of his men are like very flawed and they're not like mm. piping them up as heroes. It's sort of like deconstructing, like whether it be like their mental states or just like the worlds around them and like breaking down the like rules in which they live. And like, yeah. I, I feel like it's like the same thing. It's like he's fascinated by people and like he knows how to, and like as you were saying like he had an early interest in like queer people and like all these were like he's such an examiner of like human behavior and like putting mm -hmm. them within like thrilling situations and like watching how like people in suspense or like tense situations like will break down or like will act and i feel like that you get this in this movie too is it like critiquing like how like these men view their masculinity and like their intellect and like how it's actually like discrediting that like way of thinking for men and like how like these like harvard boys are actually like yeah. terrible people totally right <laughs> who believe in like the uber mentioned superman right. no you're yeah. making me think about psycho too like that's exactly what's yeah. so great about psycho is like when you watch it you like you kind of fall in love with norman like even though he's yeah. like this monster right but you feel something and suspense you're right like i think if you're feeling suspense like some part of you is rooting for the character so like hitchcock yeah. like gets us to like tap into the deepest kinds of empathies because we know that they're bad people but we're still in suspense yeah even yeah. like from the beginning wow. of this sorry oh, like with with yeah. we get the body and you know immediately you're like cool there's like a body air a room we're in and like we don't like necessarily like we're on, not on brandon's side i feel like brandon is the ultimate like antagonist within the film but like i found myself mm. super feeling for philip and like because mm -hmm. he felt even though like he was active within the act it felt like he was sort of dragged into it and you could feel his you know that the weight of it tearing on him and so you kind of feel that empathy for him and you're like you just want him to get it out whether that be like his yeah. queerness or like the like all the stress and anxiety that he's feeling look he got too thirsty he ended up committing murder <laughs> we all make mistakes <laughs> They do. Yes. Yes. But they do what? also like. There's a lot of implication that like there's like a top and a bottom in the relationship. Oh yeah. Like, you just think, poor Philip. They've just like. 
told what to do and everything. Like he didn't, yeah. Yeah. Did you he, get the sense? He is in over his head, literally yeah. and figuratively. <laughs> but no, I think that like, you know, the reason that Hitchcock is still like such an incredibly like intense influence on film to this day is because like his work has so much like depth and breadth for evaluation and reevaluation and re reevaluation like i think that mm-hmm. he's one of those iconic filmmakers where like no one is ever necessarily going to have like the last word on him it's like you can see mm-hmm. his films from so many different angles because they're so effective and yet like do have these like very deep thematics mm-hmm. like immediately i mean we're all like very we're big all, fans yeah. i have to ask on mm-hmm. your syllabus we have been wanting to do this, or I guess like I've pitched this. Do you have a Psycho and Psycho like double bill? Because I like watched the two of them in like conversation with each other last year. And it is so fascinating to see the two and like what Gus does. Because it's like people say, oh, it's just a shot for shot remake. But there's like, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like there's so yeah. much going on in that movie more than people say. Like active, yeah. like queer choices. But uh, Are you just... really on a first name basis with Gus Van Sant? <laughs> well, he's actually he. We're living together. He's my best <laughs> friend. Yeah, bestie Gus yeah. over here. He's the Philip Cheer Bradley. <laughs> um, <laughs> I saw I saw um, the Psycho remake when it came out in the theaters, and I remember. I don't remember very much about it. I remember like adding like the the, the Gus added the sound of <laughs> masturbation when Norman yeah. was staring at her and stuff and thinking that that like really kind of cheapened the the kind of creepiness of it and like Norman's own like um you know uh, arrested development like that sense mm. that he is you know this this mama's boy kind of figure that got like really fucked up um because like if if he is like sort of that sexually aware and can express himself in that way, it felt like other things would not quite follow in the same mm. way. And like, so I, I don't, re- I remember not loving it. So mm. that's all I can say. I did I too. That much about it. Yeah. yeah. No, it was just, I, cause just cause you're doing such like a Hitchcock sort of series. I was curious what sure. your, you know, the syllabus was, but. Oh yeah. I mean, it, some of them are very loose pairings. Like we're going to do, I don't know if you've, um, so the birds, do you know the birds? And there's like the, sort of the blonde, the blonde and the brunette. Um, but at the time in like mid-century, like if you ever just any any listener go Google image search lesbian pulp fiction, and it comes up and there's always a blonde and a brunette. And like when you look at them, they'll they look exactly like the characters in the birds. Um, so and there's like a lot of kind of sexual tension between them. So we're doing gonna do that and then we'll watch Carol. Amazing. Like it's just like the yes. very loose connection. What a double bill. No, I love wow. it. I love it. I love it. That's incredible. Things like that. Things like that. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. That's really good. We might be adding off the birds to the list. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. We oh, might yeah, be. We could. I we mean, could basically oh, yeah. do any. We could Hitchcock. kind of do it. Well, that was yeah. the thing is what you yeah, were saying about reads, and it's like as like constant like reevaluations and reads, and it's like right. we have like a queer read of this, but like someone else can have a different take, and it's just like no matter what, like you're going to bring your own, you know, yeah, feelings to it. Yeah. yeah. But I think that the, that's why Rope is, like, such a good movie to spotlight as, like, what the second Hitchcock we've ever done. Because, mm. like, I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, this right. is the best example. It's a tour de force, right? Yeah. Like, it's a real, like, I want to say two other things before I forget. One is that it's only 88 minutes long, right? Like, come on. Like, he Incredible. did so much. Yeah. So much. It if, fucking like, moves. Like, yeah. Right? Aesthetically, philosophically, like, it's so much there. Um, and before I forget, like, there's a funny story that Hitchcock wanted to make this movie as well because he 
like he thought it was very British, even though he makes it in the Hollywood system. He said that like in England, murder became an art because in America, you can just drive two hours and dump a body anywhere. But like, there's so little space like in London that you have to make it into an art. You have to be creative about how to get rid of the body. <laughs> that was hilarious. That's fucking amazing. I'm obsessed. I love it. And I mean, it like, it fits so perfectly, I feel like, within like the hallowed halls of American academia because you get the sense <laughs> that these like stupid Harvard guys would be like, no, but how can I make this like right. a test right. of my intelligence? Yes, yes. How can yeah. I turn this into, like you said, an art form? How can I. It's also so dumb, guy. too, because they're like, let's just put it in this fucking thing in, in the middle of the room. Box, You're like, but like, what are you doing? You can so... Right, I mean, that's the, yeah. the hubris. No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, but I think like that is part, I mean, the Brandon character in particular, you can so visibly see him like literally getting off on the fact oh, that yeah. the body right. is right there. Right. The chest is not locked. Anyone can yeah. open it at any time. And he's like addicted to that. He's like edging himself the whole party. I... <laughs> I think of like my <laughs> probably my favorite yeah. moment of this whole film is like after everybody leaves it's like right mm. after Jimmy Stewart has found the hat which we'll get into Ooh. but everybody leaves and he like shuts the door locks it and leans against it and literally oh, yeah. like gives a sigh like yeah. he just climaxed it's yes. absolutely it's so much it's perfect yeah. but it's so much and I was like that I mean that's amazing like you completely understand in that moment like how much he just enjoyed the past mm. hour yeah oh, absolutely I mean yeah. thinking about like his pride and everything and like doing like that it's it's so like it feels so important that it's like right after World War II and you can just mm -hmm. imagine like the spirit of like patriotism and like white supremacy like all of these like white men just thinking they saved the world in this country just being like of course I'm a superman I can do anything like I'm just gonna do this and probably because they have been killing like you know what I mean mm -hmm. like a lot of right. the people were like a lot of the audience members male audience members like this would have been in the war um, right yeah and have some feelings about having killed or you know like it's a yeah I feel totally. like that there's a lot of stuff that you can say about like when it came out right and some of these ideas yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah and wanting to justify the fact that you are better than the people that you were just killing because quote unquote right. you didn't have a choice right yeah right yeah right. like oh it was just that i know oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> are they you know uh. in the war um <laughs> I have to say, but <laughs> they fight on our side, oh or God. were they fighting on both sides? We'll never know. We'll never know. Oh my God! We have to say though, but because we ha we haven't even mentioned it, but this is written by Arthur Lawrence, who is like theater icon, legend, yeah. and yeah. also gay. Was Super in a relationship gay. with Farley during this, and like took the job because Farley was attached to it, which is another fucking first name iconic. <laughs> another first name name basis we got here. I'm best friends with all these people. <laughs> I don't know how to break it to you. Farley Granger is the one that that plays yes. Philip, and that is hilarious. It's so good. Yeah, it's amazing. You can imagine the set, right? Like, if, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's I'm, fucking. And apparently <laughs> the well, hey, look, there was like there is a lot of sort of like interconnected business. Oh, on yes, I love movie. you're weaving a web. Yes. Well, okay, so first of all, I just want to say on the play aspect of it, the original play that like the mm. this film is based on, the Brandon and Philip characters have like an explicit homosexual relationship in that play. Right. I've right. never read it, so I don't know how explicit explicit is, but like it's apparently more explicit than it is in this film. So, you're obviously bringing that to the table and Rupert Cat Cadell, the Jimmy Stewart character, is like younger and 
implied to have a past like romantic relationship with mm. one of the boys. So like, I is... think it would be Brandon from the yeah. sound of it. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty absolutely. implied in the film. Yeah. yeah, it's still there. He's definitely like much older in the yeah. film, but like, right. so I think right. it, 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 I don't know. It's like sort of these attempts to mitigate it a little bit, but like the attempts fail for mm. the betterment of the movie, I would say. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I also think that like, I don't know that it does like weaken it. I feel like there's like, especially back then, like a lot of professor student proprieties. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he mm -hmm. could be older and it would still be plausible because mm -hmm. totally. Brandon worships him, right? Like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. This yeah. entire this entire crime of art is literally just like right. to impress him. And right. I think like the not to skip ahead and we'll come back to it later, but like sort of the end monologue that they kind of give to each other, mm. um, Jimmy Stewart and Brandon, is like so filled with double entendres about yeah. like this is about mm. murder, but it's also about like sexuality. I feel like mm. it's so, yeah. so it clear. I was like freaking out on my couch. I was very excited. Um, so like it, it's definitely it's definitely loaded from the beginning. Makes me yeah. very happy. But back to the Just like of... Philip. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Philip. Win in the chat. <laughs> Absolutely. What were you going to say initially Ooh. about everyone being involved in this oh, movie? Oh, well, I mean, just, yeah, like, because him doing it, I just think Arthur Lawrence is just such an icon. I was, like, just obsessed going down the rabbit hole, and I didn't know that the Hayes office is basically was just, like, super monitoring him for everything, which I think yeah. is hilarious just to think about, like, back then just having, because he was, like, targeted, blacklisted and everything, so having, like, such, right. you know, we talk about it, and it's, like, that thing where it's, like, people nowadays don't think that like it's like there was a resurgence of queer people and like queer people it's like suddenly came to light and it's like no they've existed it's just like how like prevalent and like how like much we've like seen them and like talked about them and so i think yeah. that was sort of the thing yeah. here that i was having like a fun time like diving down all these rabbit holes because i didn't know that farley my best friend was gay <laughs> so it was cool discovering that and then like of course your king Garvidal like found out that he basically set Arthur Lawrence up with like his partner of a long time so which was cute. like cute and iconic yeah. Yeah. so it's just like all these different rabbit holes that I kept going down of just like oh everyone involved in this is actually just gay mm -hmm. which is really cool and like Hitchcock was just kind of so on board for it yeah. And hiring that. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Giving them work. Like, that's because yeah. Arthur Lawrence was not an established screenwriter, and Hitchcock could have made his life easier. He could have gotten the Hayes Code office back, all of that stuff, right? He's like yeah. Oh, yeah. making these choices. Arthur Lawrence went on to write The Way We Were specifically for Barbara Streisand. If anyone out there is Incredible. questioning his queer cred, <laughs> come on. I mean, didn't, and I mean, I, I'm stealing from Jordan's notes, but he literally created the Cage of aka right. we're gay yeah gay. yes the birdcage the bird yeah. like yeah. it's As all Michael there he, he wrote oh no he wrote the original musical yeah Hustle, yeah right? yeah because it was a it was a, yeah he wrote a french the, play first i think yeah, yeah the yeah. musical yeah yeah so but he's cool. been involved with yeah, that's, all of these that's pretty gay. yeah <laughs> pretty gay a bit <laughs> gypsy west side story <laughs> right uh, i mean right. west side right. story right. also gay like i mean it's all it's all in there yeah, so good. It's great, and I mean, I think that we do blame, we lay a lot of blame on the Hayes Code, rightfully so. But like, I mm. think that it really is impressive when you like find out these stories about how closely the Hayes Code was, or the Hayes Office was like yeah. monitoring these right. different people that were like targeted. When you look at like 
their history of being involved with like certain films like it really is this very intense like grip that it had on the industry for a very mm. long time and, like how do you mm. weave in subtext within these rules yes. it's always so fascinating because yeah. this movie it's like you think there's definitely a world in which this is less gay but it's incredible I mean, that yeah. it is so texturally rich like i think that's what's sort of like the master stroke of it it's like you really don't need to really read into it which is so cool like mm -hmm. it's just there you know yeah yeah but. yeah and artists need need limits i mean sometimes like censorship yeah. and like things you have to work around i don't know if you've seen notorious recently which is sometimes my favorite yeah. movie um but like there's this kind of there's a story that i assume is true that like the Hayes code prohibited a kiss longer than three seconds but he wanted Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman making out. But so he had like something interrupt them like every three seconds, but it ends up being like even more intimate because like all they want to do is just keep making out. Like, and so, so they just keep kissing for like three seconds at a time again and again. And it's just, like, it's kind of like even better than if they were just like snogging, you know? Yeah. Yes. No, oh, totally. It's so good. I mean, I the train shot from, is it North by Northwest? Uh, yes. Yeah. At it's the end like, of the movie, yeah. Yes. Like that is one of the most like iconic Hayes Code workarounds like of all time. Yeah. I love just because we're on Cary Grant. Nothing got me more jazzed than when they were talking about Cary Grant in this, in like comparing him to Jimmy Stewart, but not really. But they're like. Cary Grant's so much more handsome and Jimmy Stewart's there. And I'm like, I bet you were thinking something. Like, it feels <laughs> that, like that, a... that other one, right? right. She's like, she can't remember his name. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Actually, all the bits with the names that she can't remember crack me up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Okay, it's like, it's you really need it at that at those moments because even though this is like an incredibly fast-paced film and like the, obviously the choreography of like and the blocking and what's happening mm. is, is so like impeccable you need moments of levity like absolutely right. because it is like a very very tense movie and i i think that like mm -hmm. to its benefit it uses comedy in a way that like sort of makes you enjoy the murder a little bit more mm -hmm. like it isn't this like oh, oh god like somebody <laughs> needs to discover this body like i'm so worried everyone else at this party is gonna get murdered it's a little bit like oh this is like a little bit of like um, you know, a comedy of errors. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? Yeah. Because you're never really, like, if they get away with it, you're just like, eh. Uh, like, right. So, good for them. <laughs> right. Well done. They deserve. <laughs> I guess they did pull off the best murder. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, like, you don't get the sense that any of these people are, like, really that, like, valuable. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely like, Bland not. Harvard Maltos. Like, oh, one yeah. Less. Like that dad guy, uh, Sir, sorry, Sir Cedric Hardwick. I'm like, he could be killed off in like two seconds if he starts to suspect something. Yes. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's... Oh, you were planning ahead. <laughs> Jordan's like, I could do better than mm, these boys. Mm. Well, I mean, you <laughs> I did pull cut. a rope out just now. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I always keep one on hand just for whatever, whatever needs. Um, but yeah, I mean, they say at the very beginning that like, the Brandon and Brandon says at the very beginning like what he's most interested in is like the crime of making a mistake like that's what he's more concerned about mm. other than like as opposed to the fact that they just killed someone he's right. like yeah. as long as we don't make a mistake like we're good I don't really feel any guilt about this like right. um what's important to me is that we don't get caught that we can like make this 
our like sexy little game but i feel like isn't that also kind of like queer <laughs> it's like the idea that you can't make a mistake we yeah. all have to be perfect right right yeah, yeah. Oh, totally yeah and like i love that brandon gets off on sort of like walking this edge between like i want you to know what i did but i don't necessarily want you to say it or i want you to suspect mm-hmm. but i don't really right. want you to be so sure yeah. that you like actually blow my cover totally right um right. yeah and like how that can be sort of like sexy in a very twisted well, way. right yeah yeah it's like secrets and taboo yeah. and like what's sexier and all of that and i guess it also helps, like makes the irony and the humor even make sense too right because like people know things they don't know them like it's all yeah yeah. yeah yeah and you can never be sure so it's like you are implicating the people that are suspicious in like your own secret so it's like you're mm-hmm. forming a bond with them this sort of like taboo exactly. secret little bond that like they yeah. then can't say anything unless they're really sure and they might be implicating yeah. themselves at the same time mm. listen, sexy listen. conspiracy yeah. yes listen crime queerness they just go together so well right there, on screen right <laughs> yeah. well, that like mm-hmm. it's it is like attending a party and you like want i mean like you sort of like look at it as like coming out and like it's like you go to a new party and you have these people there and like you kind of want people to know that you're like queer but you don't want them to know mm-hmm. so you're like flirting with them and you're like flirting with everybody and you're sort of saying and like you could say like the what you wear the way you hold yourself but you're never actually like putting a label on it so it is like a coming out narrative weirdly to put in this like without necessarily Mm. like having it as the forefront because it is so much about like keeping something like buried in secret while also like wanting it to break out and it's like looking at the difference between Brandon and Philip and how the two of them sort of can handle it where Philip is like so unable to like keep like his feelings and like quote unquote like queerness within him whereas Brandon is enjoying sort of like the playfulness of it mm-hmm. and so it's like the how danger. is it like sort of weighing yeah. on the two of them I think is like a fascinating side by side yeah yeah Brandon likes the discreet thing yes right. yes yeah not not to uh project too much onto the actors who we don't know personally I, Just- <laughs> what do you mean right. but like I think it's interesting how the the Brandon character who is played by John Dahl was the one who like was gay, but like never came out publicly Mm. and how Farley Granger, who's like playing Philip was like openly by and like in a relationship with Arthur Lawrence and like sort of. When we say openly, like the public didn't really know, right? Like the inside, the inside circle. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think there's certainly no actor like publicly to like yeah. <laughs> America right. Right. Well, he, like, would have ever been able. Did, like later yeah. in life, like became like much more comfortable. Like he was in the celluloid yeah. closet. He wrote like a whole memoir about like his queer experience in Hollywood, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think like sort of a uh, more comfortable with it than I think oh, most definitely. at the time, you know, but yeah. even then, yeah, I do yeah. have a question though, because like now that we're just talking about it, John Dahl is Brandon. He's giving me huge Patrick Bateman vibes, and I would love I mean, to death. know who, what's who's the guy who fucking wrote? Why do I always forget who wrote American Psycho? Um, East, Easton Ellis. Bre- yeah, I'm like it feels sort of 
it it was like it is sort of like such a two side by side and how smart and how cool and calculated they are yeah and they're both like sort of repressed gay men and like the this sort of serial killer band i was having a hard time watching this and not being like okay patrick like we get it that's simmer that's so interesting because i like didn't feel that at all but i but i know what you're saying i was just i feel like he i feel like the brandon character is more mannered in a very particular Mm. way and like whereas the pat you know unhinged patrick bateman is so much about like his experience like as a man in particular and i feel like brandon doesn't really have any of that what Mm. he's concerned about is impressing jimmy stewart Stewart, like that is what he cares about and patrick bateman does not care about impressing anybody Mm. but himself yeah Yeah. i I see the connection too I, i didn't think about it before but i for me, Patrick has like anxieties and insecurities. Like yeah. he's like mm. trying to cover up. Like he actually doesn't right. believe he's a Superman. So he's going to like try and prove to the world. Become a Superman. Yeah. That he is. Right. Right. Whereas like yeah. um, Brandon is just like, just privilege, confidence, like top to bottom, you know, yeah. like he's just completely like. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you mean that? Top, top to, to top. top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, um, yeah, like he's just completely that thing. Like I think right. he really does believe in this like Nietzschean idea that he says he believes in. Like you, totally. he does, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Philip definitely is like uncomfortable with that, I think, a little bit. Or like I feel like Philip oh, definitely yeah. knows of his relationship with Jimmy Stewart because he gets like uncomfortable when Brandon talks about yeah. all the different men coming over and like starts to have talk about his relationship with Jimmy Stewart. You can like read onto it like Brand or Philip feels threatened like, a, a little uncomfy about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, I just, I think that like where this movie is so successful is that it lets Brandon go like all in on the idea that like, I think murder is an art and like, I, there there is nothing I want more than like you to agree with me because I respect you so much. It's basically like, oh my God, like, aren't you so proud that I murdered someone and like basically got away with it except for you because you're so smart. Like, don't you see that Mm. this is like an incredible thing that we're experiencing together. Like the more committed like the movie is to that, like the better it is. And I love that this movie just like goes all in. Um, So it's great. It It takes subtext and throws it out the fucking window. Yeah. I can ask a question too. Yes. I, so like, I have no answer to this, but I think it's really interesting because Hitchcock said he waited to do a movie in color until the story like demanded it like it had to be like the right story to do in color so like i'm always thinking about like why was rope Mm. like why was that the first color film he made like why did he think okay now is the one that i'm gonna do in color is it just like queer guys and aesthetics or like i don't know (laughs) they're so colorful i Um, think yeah But it's interesting, right? I think color has a huge thing to do in this movie. Like, especially like a lot of my notes at the end were about like color and like while watching it because the day to night is like, obviously it's not realistic. And like, if you're playing out real time, but what they do with color with like the flashing lights and like, yeah. the way in which like they're coding reds and greens and like the way the blues he's definitely like having fun with it and i think because yeah. maybe of the contained setting it was like a way for him to like start to experiment with color because it is so vivid of a movie and like so much like certain colors pop and like 
every like even like the browns feel so differentiated like mm-hmm. the rope color is different mm-hmm. than like the color of like the suitcase or whatever fucking thing he's the in table, you know it's like all of this it's all sort of yeah. Yeah. so textured yeah, yeah. I, I mean i think that it's like the sun goes down in this movie right when it gets the most tense like mm. right mm-hmm. when jimmy stewart discovers the hat is basically like when the sun visibly like right. starts to set and yeah. like the i think there it's so it's it, let's see how do I want to say this? It gives such a good like propulsive nature to the last act mm. of the movie to have that flashing neon sign be like yeah. bringing you to attention every two seconds right. while Jimmy Stewart is basically like working out what exactly happened. And I love that it's like flashing over everything in that shot where it pans around all the empty furniture like, mm. oh, and then I'll make him a drink and it goes to the bar and then I would offer him a seat and it goes to the chair. But you have this like very ominous like flashing Mm. going over everything i think it's like sort of a nice jolt to like really like get you ramped up for the last act which is like you know just three people standing around in a room like it's the the least energized quote-unquote part of the movie but of course it's like the most tense and i think that's like and i can't imagine it in black and white no no can i can i nerd out for a minute and please we love nerding So this is like, I mean, it was like a promotional interview that he did at the time. But there was this thing, a device called the cyclorama, which is that like, well, it says, so it's an exact miniature reproduction of nearly 35 miles of New York skyline, lighted by 8,000 incandescent bulbs and 200 neon signs requiring 150 transformers. Because like, that's how important like the light was. Like like, you're talking about like the day to night thing, like you see like the sunset, even though, again, it's not even really supposed to look realistic, but it's yeah. so elaborate. So in the 12,000 square feet of the cyclorama, it's crazy, right? The largest backing ever used on the soundstage, the spectator sees the Empire State, the Chrysler, the Woolworth Building, St. Patrick's, Radio City, hundreds of other landmarks of the fabulous New York skyline. Each miniature building was wired separately for globes, ranging from 25 Jesus. to 150 watts. Um, the electrician's eye level was at the 22nd story. 26,000 feet of wire carried 126,000 watts of power for the building and window illumination, all controlled by a twist of the electrician's wrist via a bank of 47 switches. Like, it just, it's wild, the thing that they created for this one movie that was like, right? That's insane. That's so cool. 12,000 square feet. Yeah, it's really cool. It looks so good, too. It looks great. And that's the thing is, like, we wouldn't have that. Like, obviously, today, it would be, like, if you were going to do this, it would be a green screen, and you'd, like, have them do it in post, and it would look fake, and it would feel gross, even though, like, your brain knows and it's telling you we're on a sound stage this isn't yeah. real you play into it and it plays into the theatricality of it which i think is better yeah. and like why i personally like prefer when you have a backdrop or when yes. you have like these things because even though you know your brain is telling you like cool like i'm watching a movie like i know this it feels real and like there's a tangible yeah. like grasp to it that you get versus like today if it's digital you still sort of know it's fake and it like mm-hmm. by like it's sort of that like your brain i don't know i just like it's can't part, buy into it as much even though it's not quite uncanny valley i think it sits in that same right. zone of like you want me to believe this is real but i would prefer to like accept that it is like stagey right. and i also yeah yeah, yeah. oh, oh just because yeah. I, I one of the things that i really like about hitchcock is that he doesn't i don't think he's like that realistic a filmmaker right yeah. like no but it's different than what you're talking about like it's not uncanny but that skyline doesn't look real either it's beautiful no. but you get the sense that it's there but yeah. like i like the kind of um 
it feels abstract or something so that I can think about the the concepts of art and murder and everything without right. it being yes. like, I'm not like weirded out by the effect, but I'm also like not then worried about the body in the trunk. Like, cause mm -hmm. I know it all feels kind of fake, right? Like it's a different kind of fake, but I like it. Yes. No, totally. That's exactly what I was going to say is that I think like the staginess of this with like all the wild right. walls and like the sunset and like everything basically like that it, it never really breaks like um the 180 rule even though like it's yeah. all one continuous shot mm -hmm. like it all sort of contributes to the idea of like this is like a a high octane art piece that we're watching mm -hmm. like this is mm -hmm. all some like grand design built to impress mm -hmm. the star of your movie jimmy stewart like wait yeah. and if you, okay so if like if the idea is like maybe murder can be art if it's meticulously planned and then art is also like gay sex and this movie is meticulously planned maybe this movie is actually gay sex. oh my god <laughs> boom we're gonna pack it yeah. up i think <laughs> no that's a, such a good read okay but also like this movie is gay sex yeah. like this movie is right. extremely yeah. like sexy no like yeah, yeah. Hot like, take. I really do think that it is because the yeah. way that it's designed and the way that it's built, the characters are like, I mean, really, the characters are sort of like getting themselves like more and more wound up and you as the audience are getting more and more wound up and it culminates mm -hmm. in this like big sort of, you know, conversation about like, did you actually believe that like murder is something that I would mm. be interested in? Are you crazy? And I feel like it makes you right. as an audience be like, oh shit, like, oh no, I was interested in the murder. And now right. Jimmy Stewart yeah. is mad at me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, it's like, it's like foreplay in the beginning when oh. they are talking oh. about like murder and like yes. they're all playing it. And the gu one guy's like, what the fuck is going on here? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, we're having so much fun right we now. We were just having a laugh <laughs> about right. how we can murder yeah. people because we're better <laughs> than other people. I mean, Hitchcock was like famously Catholic. He probably wants us to feel guilty and we're all just like, yeah. <laughs> we're cheering. He's like, wait. <laughs> Don't let the Catholic guilt get you down. Embrace the hedonistic nature of gay sex. Absolutely. You know how it goes. Um, I mean, I feel like there is there is a lot of plot to this movie, but it's very minutia plot things. Mm. But if it wasn't clear already, these two Harvard students who are in a gay relationship decide that they should murder their classmate yes. to impress their old housemaster and then hide his body in the middle of a dinner party to see if anyone will figure it out nobody does except they did commit one mistake which is that they left this guy's hat in the coat closet and jimmy stewart finds it and then realizes that he, he puts probably the clues together murdered. yeah yes. or if you just uh looked at philip i think you'd be able to figure <laughs> it out yeah i mean philip eventually cracks but also i think there's that that when they are sort of having their like philosophical discussion about mm. like whether murder is okay if you are better than other people like the jimmy stewart talks so much about like these 2 a.m pool discussions that they would have right. about mm -hmm. like the meaning of life and like social mm -hmm. conventions and it's like what else are you doing at those fucking exactly hangouts? i was like yeah. just 2 a.m. pool sessions about social right. conventions. Right. Yeah. Brian mm -hmm. Singer who? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, good God. But, like, I mean, so I think that, and you can see it on his face when he discovers the hat, where he's like, oh, God. Like, mm. I yeah. ha have been, like, entertaining these mm -hmm. incredibly, like, deviant leaning uh, ideas. Yes. Like, it's my own fault. Totally. That I was, like, entertaining this. So, you know, he's not totally 
like not in the clear all yeah, the way. Yeah, his hands are a little dirty. How do you guys yeah. feel about Jimmy's performance? Because I feel like he, he doesn't, doesn't like love it. it. Yeah, and it's like fascinating because mm. like I don't know if he's as clued in about like the queer subtext whereas i think everyone else sort of is didn't you say jordan that he basically like the the arthur lawrence was like trying to figure out how to write the three characters as gay but like without it being like so on the nose and like everyone kind of was in the know except jimmy stewart a little bit it feels like from at least what i was reading so i don't know if he also was like unaware of it or like if he knew about the relationships that these people were having and he was just like avoiding it you know what I mean? But like, we'll never know. I don't think it's a bad performance. And I, I do yeah. love, I mean, Jimmy Stewart's like my all time fave, but it's just fascinating watching him in it because it's just everyone else sort of feels like on a theatrical sort of similar wavelength, even like the supporting characters, whereas Jimmy slightly feels like he's in a different movie, but he's still good. Mm-hmm. I think, but it's just like, I can't like describe the difference, but you can sort of feel it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. That might just be my read on it but. no i agree i mean i think he's really strong in the scene where he's trying to creep out the, the astrology lady the, yes. like he's like there's moments when i think he understands the character but then i think it's because i think he's great too i mean in general i think he's great too but yeah. I think the Best, character yeah. doesn't the character doesn't quite work so it might not be his fault completely like we needed to know why he thought that, that like asking people to think about whether or not murder could be art or whatever mm. or like like, why was he trying to get all of these, like, young students to think they're better than other people? Like, he's like, it was it was just about an idea. It was just an idea. It was an idea. We talked about ideas. And I'm like, oh, why? Like, you need right. a reason to, like, talk about it. Yes. I feel like he, they just needed to give that to him. Like, there was no, like, there was no sense of, like, why he thought this was a valuable thing to do if he didn't totally. actually believe it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And like that's sort of like the crux of the climax is that Brandon is like, well, I don't understand. Like, I thought you did believe right. this. Why else would you tell us that? And it's right. like, and he's got no answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's basically like, no, no, no. Society will judge you. And it's like, sir, society should judge you. Right. Like, he, like right along with that. Shoots the gun outside. He's like, society yeah. will like kill you, yeah. whatever. Yes. Society yeah. will kill. Oh, um, <laughs> no one uh, can. No yeah. One can. I mean, it, it's really yeah. kind of shitty what he does, right? Like, hey, guys, you should do this. And then if they do it, and he's just like, what? Right. Jail. <laughs> Jail. Electric chair. Um, Electric chair. <laughs> he loved when he shoots the gun outside and you hear, like, the voices of the ladies downstairs. She's like, did you hear yeah. that? It was that a shot. Oh, my God. Honestly, yeah. most unrealistic part of this movie is that the police would respond to random gunshots in the middle of New York City. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is this the only movie where policemen actually do their job in Hitchcock? Oh, my God. Shocking. Because I think of him as, like, the actually, total yeah. director. Like, blackmail is just, like, that poor girl. Like, no, he is, hates like, cops assaulted. yeah yeah hates cops like psycho like the cop's scarier than norman bates mm-hmm. but in blackmail the girl like looks out the window and sees a cop and then she's like oh good i'm safe and then absolutely not like I, he's all like cops are the worst in every track movie they're yeah. dumb they can't solve yeah. anything yeah yeah though to be fair we don't know what's gonna happen once they show up that's true yeah so one of the things that i like that hitchcock does is like pretty much i think it's every movie but like the first like couple of minutes or something gives you like a little kind of like thesis like it tells you what the whole movie's about like oh, you're watching yeah. really really close like and this one has like it's just like it opens on a street right before we go into the room and then like there's like these two little boys being taken away by a policeman and you're just like uh-oh like little little boys being naughty and it's just it's like i don't know it's boys being like, boys that's like the, the opening vignette is just like two two kids getting carted away by a cop and then like how it's gonna end no i love it's, that i never so would have picked up on that yeah the opening fucking credits i like 
I want these sort of styles to come back where you have just a scene playing out over all the credits yeah. and then you come into it. It's so, I don't, it's just so fucking nice. And it like, I mean, like watching it. I was, yeah. No, I mean, it just like gets you, as you were saying, like it eases you into the movie and you're like, you're set up in the world and you're like, like all of his movies have it. And it's just so fucking nice when you have like introductions like this. And when you have opening yeah. credits, like actual opening credits. Mm. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know you love it. I wondered if rewatching it, did you think that, that they might have been made for 3D or something? There's like a really... They're very so just my TV. Bold. Like there's something going on with like they're bold. Like it felt very like, yeah. It's the, the way depth. I don't know. Out. They were beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Rope 3D. <laughs> I feel like might it be, I mean, it is a pretty, I think like unless you're like really locked in, it does on, it's on the surface seem like a very low key movie. Like, oh, it all takes place in one room. What is mm. this? I could be at the theater watching this. So I maybe it's an attempt to be like, you should want to pay attention to this movie. Like it's important. It's big. It's bold. Like credits. Right. I don't know. Yeah. This yeah. Fully just a thesis. But I mean, so many of his works could be, you know, I would watch this. I mean, again, it was a play. So yeah. like, oh. mm, but like, I would love to see, like, bring this back. Let's see rope. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Zachary Quinto is fucking Philip or whatever his face. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would watch it. Yeah, I would watch that. Oh, yeah, totally. I I love I would love to see this on stage like today. I was surprised that I had never heard of it like being performed on stage recently mm. i'm sure it has been and i just wasn't paying close enough attention but i've I never was heard like, of it being performed either That's... this is it's such a slam dunk it's totally. so yeah. easy it's so yeah. fast like it's Even a like nice fucking rear window you yeah, could do it's a nice short play and yeah. like it doesn't you i think that like like we said the way that hitchcock like translates it to film is amazing but you could so easily mm -hmm. do this yeah. on stage even like we said about like not really the the film never really breaks like the 180 rule like it truly is just like in this sort of mm -hmm. like slightly moving camera of two rooms but the way they yeah. use space too i think is so fascinating because it's like you i love the shots where you're not on faces and like jimmy stewart will be like you'll be on sort of like his lower third and you'll just be like focused on like what's going on in the background with like the maid cleaning up oh well that's like coming in and out and like incredible. we'll hold on like certain things like we're there's just dialogue happening behind and we're just like picking up on small details and like some of it's used for transition purposes but otherwise it's like purposely like intent on like giving you a specific because all the frames are so specific so i oh, love yeah. when it is like we're going to focus on like a door or like this object and like why is this object like so important mm -hmm. to what's going on right now mm -hmm. that shot of yeah. the maid basically slowly clearing mm -hmm. the 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 body chest culminating so with like her almost opening it mm -hmm. is amazing because like I think you don't realize what's going on at first. And then as soon as she clears like two sets of mm -hmm. dishes away, you're like, oh my God, here we go. It's happening. <laughs> lift it up just a little. She and Jimmy literally stops gets to it. lift yeah. it up. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like you're playing warmer and colder with the movie. You're just yes. Warmer, warmer. Let's go. Here we go. Are we going to yeah. do it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. it's great. Um, also on the subject of framing, before I forget, I was delighted and surprised by how close Brandon and Philip are for a huge amount of this movie. Yeah. Uh, like extremely close their faces extremely. are very close 
close together for like yeah. all of their smooch, like smooch, single smooch. single yeah. dialogue scenes. When it's like just them in the room, they are very close. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, it's obviously sort of like a surprising violent moment, but when he like slaps Philip and is basically like, You need to get your shit together, I was like, Oh my god. It's mm-hmm. so yeah. like it you don't expect it because it does feel like, oh, they're you know, they're intimate. They wouldn't do something like that. It it feels mm-hmm. basically like unmasculine in mm-hmm. that way. Um I I don't know I was very surprised and I was like I think that that's a very good detail because you want them to be like all up in each other's faces like what did we just do how are we going to deal with this very charged very tense I love it yeah yeah I like I mean that's one of the great things about Hitchcock right is like you're always paying attention to the framing and the camera like you never forget that someone made this movie right like he's always like reminding you that like there's an author yeah. always there yeah, yeah. even like yeah. With, with tight framing like even when they're eating on the couch even though it's not like the two but like i love how sort of stuffed everybody is onto the couch like they're all eating yeah. like very it feels like a thanksgiving dinner almost or something mm-hmm. it's not like right. a party where you're like roaming but you're like tight with family crammed in and like you can feel sort of the tension kind of building of everyone being so close together and like talking about murder and everyone's like a little bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. because they're also stuffed in like this tight frame yeah it works it's yeah. great I this is all just telling me that like I need to find some LA theater to stage a re- a, a revival, a revival. Of rope. Do it, do um, it, and we'll add just enough queer subtext to keep him guessing because I <laughs> I do think that like this film does benefit from having like queer like just this side of queer subtext as opposed to queer text because mm. it doesn't feel like oh my god mm-hmm. these like weird degenerate gay boys killed someone and now like you know you need someone to come in and clean it up because we can't have this like I I think it it plays better to have everything sort of exist in the shadows because it is this this like we said the story of being like I'm reaching out to you Jimmy Stewart because I admire you and I want you to see what I did and like basically Mm -hmm. admit that you're like me admit that Mm -hmm. we're the same and that like you're impressed that I killed this guy Yeah. yeah And right. like, you don't yeah. want like a big kiss or like things like that where it would yeah. sort of like pull you yeah. out of it. And yeah. like, by making the text or the subtext text, it becomes like the like, sort of the D like riches, whatever. Well, yeah, it's yeah. like, the, you know, I don't think that like people really like to admit this because it's sort of like is working against like what we're trying to achieve in mm. queer cinema. But sometimes like using the sort of like shame or the need to hide queerness on screen Mm. can like benefit the thematics of your movie you obviously don't want to do that a hundred out of a hundred times but like a lot of the time it really does help whatever you're trying to do and um can make it feel more powerful because it adds just a sense of tension that you're not going to have otherwise right and and metaphor right like it allows like all of those ideas that we were talking about at the beginning to like still kind of keep coexisting yeah exactly Yeah. yeah yeah Oof. good movie good movie I, will, I have to talk about just before like two scenes and like dialogue things that Please. like ring in my head that i have not stopped thinking about one is how jimmy store lights his cigarette with a candle is oh, yeah. one of the coolest <laughs> things ever yeah i don't know why i was just like that is fucking baller uh love that and then the second thing is janet my queen when <laughs> they're like what would you say to champagne and she goes hello champagne i like 
couldn't stop laughing for a beat and i it's like so dumb but i'm like that is so no, funny i love that she's funny and she's delightful and like she, yeah. she's not a very important part of this movie Absolutely but not, like no. i know but she's the smartest yeah. person in the room yes. oh yeah i really respect yeah. that they made her not only the smartest person in the room but then like we mentioned earlier eventually have her be like i am so sick of you I'm guys like out. not yeah. appreciating how funny i am like i gotta go and like she yeah. i have care. better bits than you yeah. what is happening she's like right. i'm trying i I'm giving and I am receiving nothing. And honestly, yeah. like I have better things to do. I'm she doesn't even go. have to say she's the superior human <laughs> in the room. She, she knows. Just knows no. it, right? It's like though she didn't go to Harvard, so they don't talk to her. But we all know she's smarter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a mess. God. What are there? Are there other big sequences or things? No. I mean, the hat discovery is obviously the biggest reveal. Yeah. I was trying the to. The books being wrapped up in the rope. And oh, Philip yes. is like staring at it. And he's like, why would you wrap the books like that? because it's all it's such a flimsy rope though sexy. that's maybe that's my big note should have had a better rope well i think it's a, i think it's good because uh, they they don't like hang him they literally they, they like choke him fully yeah. choke him yeah. out yeah, yeah. yeah. didn't you yeah. guys just talk about bound and yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah, this is like a series this is like we an love ropes <laughs> Yes. yes i mean hey we I, we love a gay do cry movie yes i'm obsessed yeah. with the gay do cry true. movie um bound is one of my favorites that was we broke our little blockbuster rule for that one why um it was thematically appropriate and also oh, i really I mean, wanted to talk wide? about gina gershon yes on main well, there you go why not <laughs> so there why you not? go the only other thing i was trying to find were maybe like some concrete quotes from like the end conversation mm. um that jimmy stewart and brandon have i sort of failed but the one that i did write down is this whole sort of like business that Brandon gives when he's talking about like why aren't you proud of the fact that I murdered someone is, is he's basically like I hope you like what you see mm. referring to like himself referring to the body referring right. to like him and Philip and he's yeah. basically like don't you understand like what I am trying to do here and to me that like really crystallized mm. um the theme that we've been talking about all episode and I thought it was like a very nice cherry on top to put like at the end of the movie yeah yeah I have other moments that I love. Um, I like when they talk about, like someone references a painting. Yeah. And there's like, and they're like, what is that? Like they don't understand it. And like, it's like, the answer is like American minimalism or something. And I feel like there's always a painting in Hitchcock movies. Like they always like mean something. Um, but it's like, cause this movie has no edit, like no visible cuts, right? Mm -hmm. Like I feel like he's trying to like say something about like a minimalist style and like really take cinema seriously, even though mm. it's still just, you know, like Hollywood popcorn time in the forties. Right. Um, but then also that moment where Janet's like, no, I want to go look at this other yes. painting and she just yeah. taps at the blank wall. I and mean, I don't know, there's something about that though. I mm. think it's like, yeah. again, like Janet just always being the smartest one. Like she sees like, this is not what's going on. Right. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's cool. No, that's she gets it. Yeah. She would have I solved this that. murder if she, uh, oh yeah, she cared. Oh, yeah, yeah she exactly. has better things to do. She didn't care. Yeah, she's like, I got back with my boy. I'm good. Goodbye. <laughs> Gotta go. Oh god. I mean, you know, props to Brandon for being a good wingman. Literally killed guess, a guy yeah. to, 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 get to set together. up his mate. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I do so. love when Jimmy does lift. The, he's basically like throwing open the closet and or like lifting yes. up, right. you know, the tank. But it's so dramatic with the flip. He's just <laughs> he everything comes off. He's like, oh no, what's <laughs> in here and guess what you never see the body again because you don't need to exactly that's true (laughs) the actor wasn't there the whole time he's like i can't breathe guys i need air holes (laughs) i was thinking about that basically when i realized that they weren't gonna cut i was like i hope this is like an open bottom 
chest or like the front like flips out or something i'm sure, I'm I'm sure, sure it is but i was like <laughs> i want to know i want to know the specific mechanics apparently like there's all these you know stories of like a crew member like broke his foot during one take because like a dolly rolled over it and they just kind of like yanked him off stage and were like keep going keep going that's amazing I think someone like missed a glass that was supposed to be handed off to them and someone else like caught it before it hit the floor and it like you know cut their hand and they just like yeeted off screen like it was they no no stops no breaks well, I mean, so it was yeah. like 10 because of the film canisters it was like 10 right 8 to 10 minute intervals where they yeah. could do it and it's like yeah. pretty goddamn seamless like obviously there are people who yeah. you can like go through and you can definitely you can, see if you want some of to. them but like a lot of it's just like moving behind like jackets and yeah. things like that yeah. or like holding on stuff which is so clean i will give you one last piece of trivia about this film that i really like and that is the police sirens at the end were actually done by having a couple of ambulances start from like three blocks away from the lot where they were filming whoa and driving towards the lot with their sirens full blast so that you could actually hear them getting closer That's it is not so a sound cool. effect it was actually That's done really practically cool. yeah God. it huh. is hilarious to me um i think it's classic hitchcock you it's know so good we'll just drive a couple yeah. of ambulances up you know why not <laughs> well i think it's it kind of tech yeah <laughs> literally but like what you were talking about where it's like it's an exercise and it's like a study in minimalism while also being popcorn and it's like that is sort of like what makes him so good and yeah. why i feel like why i love talking about why we like doing his movies and stuff is because it is like these obviously populist films but he's packing in so much text and subtext and like things to discuss which makes it so rich whereas like mm-hmm. not to be like nowadays you know movies but like <laughs> so much of like sometimes no, blockbusters yeah. nowadays feel so fucking empty of like text or subtext or like actually deeper themes where they're just like giving you popcorn whereas like with Hitchcock like he gives you a little bit of popcorn and you eat it during it but like you stop eating because you get so wrapped up in what's going on exactly. which is like yeah. the difference between there and like I wish we had more movies like this, you know? I know this entirely wasn't the point, but no, like go for it. every time we now talk about how, oh, the failures of modern cinema, we have mm. to say nowadays and like an old timey <laughs> man yelling yells at the cloud. At cloud. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. <sighs> so oh, me and Farley, <laughs> literally, uh, we Kyle. could play with a rope. We would tie the rope. <laughs> so many things to do with a rope. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything else that we need to talk about that we completely forgot in your opinion in your professional opinion about, about rope no I mean I feel like we could go we could just keep talking about other Hitchcock movies but no I, I, I don't have anything I was like can't write I was like looking at my notes and things but I think like from when I teach it in class that's one of the things I love about Hitchcock he's just like he's so fun to talk about right yeah. like and I think that's partly what you're getting at Jordan is like yeah. movies nowadays like even good ones sometimes just like put it all out there like there yeah. was no like ambiguity to nomadland's message or something right like it's just like everyone's being super clear which is clear is good but like you know give us some richness and depth like let us talk about stuff i think yeah. yes yeah, yeah. Like, clearly that's what hitchcock is like we've had a conversation that's like as long as the movie yeah right exactly <laughs> i love to pick apart a movie no, it's it's, it's so much fun yeah, yeah. Um, i do have a qualm actually is yeah. that they love brandy and i feel like a lot of old movies love brandy we, I, mm. I feel like Brandy had has fallen off. Brandy you know? is actually good. Do you? Oh wow, you stumping for Brandy? Someone got my lovely boyfriend Evan a bottle of Brandy for 
Christmas or his birthday last Whoa. year. So I was like, I guess we have to drink this. It's pretty good. If you don't like whiskey or bourbon, you're not going to like it. But I like it. It's a little like mm. apple-y. I like it in some sort of like cocktail situation or like mixed with another thing i don't know if i would like be swigging straight brandy on the regular but it's good but i feel like don't i feel like it was in it was a thing yeah it was definitely a thing thing. yeah yeah Yeah. because it's like a dessert drink right Mm -hmm. yeah it's Mm -hmm. like a port Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah right it's pretty good though yeah we should bring it back it's good yeah i think it will impress your house guests and it's really good with like anything that's like apple-y or cinnamon-y which is why i think it's like a dessert drink so what were they eating in this? Go. It didn't look that great. No, it looked very 50s. Like a chicken salad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Very 40s, yeah. 50s, like yeah. American yeah. jello mold style. <laughs> I, I cooked it 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we do, I wrote down, Brooke, I think we should rattle these off. Is other letterbox reviews that stood out? Oh, as personal faves. There are some good ones. There's some really good ones. We said the Fran one, of course, the one Thank that you, you texted Hoffner. me, one of our yes. favorites. Level one, making the killers the protagonists. Level two, making them obviously gay. Level three, uh, making sure that it's clear that well, one of them is being sexually aroused by it. Making it to level three is why Hitchcock was the master. Great. <laughs> Love it. Gotta do it. Fellas is a gay to murder your friend to impress your prep school headmaster. Classic. <laughs> Um, the dudes going to Harvard uh, to accuse friends of chicken uh, cruelty, cruelty, of course. Yes. I that, will say, the social network. Look. Yes, and we watched Rebel Without a Cause recently, in yes. which there's also a lot of like weird chicken business. Everyone happening. loves calling someone a chicken it was, in these old films. I, yeah. It was it was just a weird three I mean, movies to think about. Choking the chicken used to be. A thing. <laughs> it was. Well. They, they were doing a little more than just a chicken. In this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh God. I mean, I think the the last Letterbox review that yeah. I definitely like sent to you was um like. Poor Philip. There's a, the original V gay do crime. This is the gayest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Let's I love see. the one that uh, yeah. someone said, like, oh, I love that they made a movie about a rope. Great. <laughs> what if there was a rope? <laughs> you know, it's 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 so good. Um great. yeah. Anyway, poor Philip. He just wanted a nice uh getaway with his boyfriend in the country and ended up being implicated in a murder you know? charge. <laughs> That's all yeah. they had to do. So sad. Okay. So, should we talk about how this movie did? We should. With the how public. Did it do? So, it was obviously pitched to be like a nice big blockbuster. You got Jimmy Stewart, you got the master of suspense, Alfred Hitchcock. What else do you need? Um unfortunately, it kind of bombed a little bit. It performed poorly yeah. at the box office. Arthur Lawrence contributes this failure to audience uneasiness with the homosexual undertones. It was even banned in a couple of American cities because of the homosexual undertones. So ridiculous. <laughs> good that to tracks. know. Everyone was watching this in uh, 1948 and being like, Wait a minute. <laughs> it's a little fruity. going to say they're not <laughs> <laughs> Only, Only really close friends take a weekend getaway by themselves mm. in the middle of nowhere. Right, right. I truly either. I can't even. Um. So there you go. But it is sort of like an underserved classic. Obviously oh, has had a good reappraisal. It's Alfred Hitchcock. What else can we say? Good fucking um, movie. It's old, so I don't have box office numbers. But apparently, it made two million dollars domestically and about seven hundred and twenty k overseas, which really isn't that bad for nineteen forty eight. So no. c- could have done worse, could have done better. Yeah. Oh well, 
Just on you the scale. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. People forget Vertigo flopped. Like, he yeah. had to use this TV crew to make Psycho because he couldn't get funding. Like, he was not, right. like, always this, like, super powerful figure. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, there's still sort of, like, like we said, there's that popcorn element to it that, mm-hmm. like, makes it four quadrant. Right. So you love to see it. Okay. No. Jordan, speaking yes. of Letterboxd, you want to guess Ooh, this average boy. Letterboxd well, rating? I'm going to guess that people uh, like this film. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess a average, you know, I'm going to go for the the hot Letterboxd what you want. I'm going to go with a 3.9. Okay. Kyle, would you like to put Ooh. in a guess? I, I put it a little bit higher. I think anybody who has sought out this movie is probably going to like it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go like, I'll like 4.3. Ooh, okay. Um, split the difference. It's a four flat. Oh, so close. Oh, okay. Bad. No. I'm Jordan happy with that. Yeah, four flat. Um, most people give it four stars. Not high enough in my opinion. I think I this agree. is like a straight up masterpiece. It's so good. Um, yeah, I agree. but you know, decent amount of people have seen it. More reviews than I was expecting. More like nice little oh, jokey good. reviews than I was expecting, which is usually the mark of like the letterboxed population having yes. discovered a movie. You love to see it. It's definitely not. It's like the, it, I feel like it sort of lives in this like everyone knows about it. Most people have probably seen it, but it's not like Psycho or Rear Window. It's yeah. like a, right. a quarter step you sort have to, of down from you, there. I feel like you have to be into Hitchcock before you like see it. It's well, not like, like the, the first Hitchcock impression. that yeah. you're into. Yeah. yeah, I don't like expect people to have seen this movie for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but I'm very, very glad we did. Yeah, no, great time. Good. Mm-hmm. Where is it landing on the queer quadrant for you? How gay is this movie, Brooke? Ooh, see, <laughs> so, you know, I was thinking about it. And I was like, is there really anything that I can necessarily subtract from this movie? Because like I said, I don't think like making it more explicitly gay would really be to the benefit of the movie. And like, obviously, I'm kind of obsessed with everything that's going on. And it has like really deep thematic Mm -hmm. elements. Yeah. I'm going to give it five stars. I know it's kind of crazy, but like. No, I love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Yeah. If it was more explicit, it wouldn't be about the closet anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't even need to have a whole spiel because I was actually feeling the same way. Okay, great. Um, it. It's like I the the minute you were like talking about like if they remade this and if someone was like I'm gonna like remake Rope and make it like textually queer and like add this stuff, it would sort of take so much of it away yeah. and it would feel kind of icky. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Like what's fun is that everyone's in the closet and everyone's like having a tete a tete with each other. Yes. You know, like that's why it's yeah. good. Yeah. So yeah, five. Fuck it. Love of it. course, like a que- gay writer. Sure gay stars let's fucking go yeah kyle do you agree absolutely i agree look at that amazing we love to see it we have an addition to our five star club aka the rainbow standard oh my god (laughs) (laughs) we'll insert the little music that puts it in here it is an exciting day honestly it's a big day when something (laughs) makes it um oh god i'm so happy about it (sighs) wow wow we roped we roped um kyle Thank you so much for being here. A delight. Um, we are so lucky to have your knowledge and your syllabus <laughs> to guide us <laughs> on the show. Um, you're the best. And if people want to check out more of your work, where should they go to do that? Oh, um, you can Google me, Amazon. <laughs> I've edited some oh, books yeah. on, on performances, my academia.edu page. If you're interested in like, I don't know, politics of humor improv comedy things like that performance anything Mike Nichols stuff like that um people want to want to learn more I don't think I've actually written about Hitchcock 
Can you ever forgive me? People like a little, oh, a little short thing about that movie. Great, good super movie. gay and fun, right? Also, That's a so good gay. Yeah, queer film. Yes. Queer film. Yes. We'll have to watch we'll so check. many ways. We'll have I to feel check. like that ways. probably hit one K because it got I'll an check. Oscar push. I'll it check. definitely <laughs> had to. <laughs> That's our our modern criteria is if it, if the film hit a thousand screens and we have the box office data for it. Oh, like, totally agree. Right yeah, yeah, totally did. Yeah. Oh, and on Twitter, I'm at Cinementalist, like cinema. C I N E M E N T A L I C. Yeah. Love it. Clean. Uh, yes. We'll link it in our little bio. Sure. So if no, you I need to it. find it, you can look there. Yes. Oh my God. You're the best. And thank great. you so much for having me. This was fun. Of course. I'm so glad I got to talk about rope. Oh, I know. I'm so glad you suggested it. Very excited that we got to talk about rope. We yes. have to do now Mike Nichols. I've been like itching to do a Nichols, but I'm like, Hmm. Mm. what well i have good news and bad news we can probably squeeze a nickels but we cannot squeeze can you ever forgive me because at its widest Whoa. this film was in 555 theaters that's Ouch. a bummer boo hiss well, mariel heller like not sorry i know we're wrapping up but like she is such a good fucking director yeah i can't but, like all of her is. movies yeah. like kind of low-key flop which sucks well she doesn't have that I many know. she's still growing yeah. she's still growing but like Yes. fucking what's the mr uh it's not a, a beautiful, beautiful day. day no it's not it's is it or is that the dock it is a beautiful, it is a beautiful day, day in the neighborhood, in the neighborhood. Yeah. i always confuse the dock in that I know. title yeah but like that movie's fucking incredible and yeah, like I love no one kind of really saw good. it yeah. and, like, the sound this, oh my diary God. of a teenage girl is amazing so right? good yes i it's love so that good. movie yes it's and also so she's good. a great actress too like yes meryl heller we have to stand we love yeah we really do stand the thing i wrote it like it was like four pages because when the movie came out and everyone was talking about melissa mccarthy and i was like um it's really well directed people like you've got to like retrain your eyes for what you're looking for like she's not going to give us like sweeping scorsese shots but that's not the story like um so i wrote this like little like polemic about it but criterion channel like linked it and called it like the must read of the award season that year so Let's like go. there you go I'll, as I'll they brag. should yes brag about that. no i've been like i've been trying to get people to watch that movie for years i think it's so great it it's is. amazing it's on it's probably like her best performance right i mean like that yeah. and bridesmaids are like the two. Oh, yes. of course yeah. she's i'm in the tank for melissa mccarthy she can do no wrong for me like I yes her, me too yeah, i agree me too. I think she's crazy talented. Richard E. Grant is like transcendent in that movie. Oh my God, and he's I, so fucking good. I just, I love like a small, small time, like crime movie. Like I just, I loved yeah. it. It was like, it really hit all the it's buttons a, that I love for. That's the fun crime where it's, it's so like fun. the smallest of crime, but you know, it's still yeah. crime. So you're like, Ooh, and how's also, the minutia of this world? Work? Also, like yeah. the world's forced her into it. Like, what right. is it? Yeah. like I write, like, like what you, if your choice is to forge like Lillian Hellman or like, Forge Tom Clancy, Forge fucking Lillian Hellman. Like, right. why would you like? Everyone wants her to be Tom Clancy. Like, well, that's not a choice. Like, yes, I don't know. Like, I just, no. I think it's a great movie. Yes, I do too. And also, like, one of the only movies that I've seen where I feel like there's like two gay best friends. Where you're like, mm. this like actually makes yeah. sense, and it's like very rare that that yeah. actually happens. And I was just like, yeah. it means so much that like she's gay and also he's gay, and it's mm-hmm. like yeah. that's a huge part of like why they're friendly with each other. Yeah, I just love it. I thought yeah, it was like a weirdly rare. Or dynamic. And who plays who plays Dolly? Um, what's her name? Oh, oh, yeah, she's great. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. She's anyway, great. sorry. No, no, you're good. I like that. I'm very glad that we get this. So this, this is, was our episode. Also on. Uh, can you ever forgive me? Five stars. Great. Can we get it? Get you. Great. Exactly. Rainbow Standard. Although, Love it. Wow. Although we can't cover it, this is our plea for you to go watch it. Yeah. Hey, if you want yes. to, you, you can, can double bill this in rope. Two crime yeah. movies. Yeah. About oh being gay. It's actually. Crime, yeah. Absolutely. Kind wow. of a fun a double bill. There 
there it is. Kind of a fun yeah. little bill. Love we'll it. Yeah. Add it to the eventual Oof. syllabus. Um, and anyways, yes, we are not as exciting, but you can also find us on the socials if you would like. Yes, mostly on Twitter. I'm a Brooke B. Solomon. Jordan H. Gus. And we're together at Queer Quadrant. And you can find the podcast on Spotify and on Apple and wherever else you get your podcast. Drop us a rate. Drop us a review. Drop us a subscribe. Tweet at us. Tell us what you think about BK Do Cry movies. Are there any others missing that we should cover? Let oh, us know. You know we're down. <laughs> you know we're in the tank for them. And let us know what you like might like to see us cover in the future. What are we covering in the future? And by future, I mean next week. Next week we're getting interrupted girl 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 comma what girl interrupted um we're covering 1999's let's go seminal film girl interrupted winona angie, angie. one flew James over the cuckoo's Mangled. nest but women what if it's the yassified one flew over the cuckoo's nest i know you stole that from I letterbox did. i and did I'm gonna call it out call me out drag me um so tune in next week for that it's gonna be a good time can't wait brooke do you have anything you would like to leave our <laughs> listeners with just remember, if murder makes you horny, you might want to look into that. Or oh. <laughs> maybe not. I say no. I say yes. <laughs>